On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla continues to have trouble doing business in Texas, but this time it affects existing Tesla owners as well as Tesla itself. Plus, Canada proposes new EV incentives that seem to very specifically omit Tesla. The referral program returns in a new format. Tesla says regular maintenance schedules aren't needed after all, and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Welcome to Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast, episode number 190 for March 24th, 2019. To my left, looking longingly out the window, her eyes are starting to nod off now. Daisy the Boxer Puppy. And I'll tell you, there is just never a dull moment in the world of Tesla. You would think that if ever there was going to be a slow news week with not a lot for me to cover on the podcast this week, that it would have been this week in the wake of the Model Y reveal and just the unbelievable onslaught of huge news we've had over the last couple weeks. But no, tons of interesting stuff going on. Uh, And on that note, before I get started, I wanted to just mention, I got, and I'm very happy about this, by the way, very grateful for this, more phone calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline over the past week, I think, than I've ever had in a single week before. So many that I have not even been able to get to all of them yet, but I want to thank all of you who've chimed in. Keep, feel free to keep them coming. I will get get to them. I will get caught up. Uh, there, But again, there have been so many, which is great. So I've got a, a packed hotline later in the show. Just a lot of, mostly all talk about the Model Y, your reactions to it. I'd ask for them, and you kindly provided them. So if you don't hear yourself on this week's show, know that I will get to you. I promise. Uh, The monthly Patreon exclusive bonus episode that should be coming up uh, ideally next weekend, uh, worst case the weekend after, that is going to be a super, super packed episode there as well. So with that, let's get started with the news this week. And I kick it off with the title story, the one that you're probably looking at the title of this episode going, what is he talking about? It is this. There is a situation that has gotten worse in Texas for Tesla, a state that has never allowed Tesla to sell directly to consumers. The Dallas Morning News reporting that a new bill in Texas, State Bill 1415, is being put forth that would block Tesla from even servicing let alone selling its vehicles in the Lone Star State. So there are six service centers in Texas that would be affected by this. Uh, Not to mention, oh, let's see, literally every single Tesla owner in the state. The following comes from the Dallas Morning News, quote, State Senator Kelly Hancock, a Republican from the North Richland Hills District, told the Dallas Morning News Tuesday that the, uh, the code the bill would amend has long been on the books. He said that after reaching out to the Department of Motor Vehicles, his office determined that Tesla was actually in violation of existing law. Tesla's statement is this, quote, uh, oh wait, no, sorry, wrong part of my notes. Uh, Hancock said his legislation is intended to, quote, reduce over-regulation of vehicle manufacturers in Texas. SB 1415 won't impact how cars from any manufacturer are serviced and repaired, he said. 
adding that reports otherwise were, quote, the definition of fake news, end quote. So the statement obviously did not specifically mention Tesla, but here is Tesla's response now that I'm in the right place in my notes. Tesla saying, quote, the result would be to threaten Tesla's maintenance facilities in Texas and leave Tesla drivers with very little recourse in terms of keeping their vehicles running safely in the state. And Tesla also called it a, quote, targeted attack, end quote. Tesla said its representatives have met with Hancock staff about the language and even suggested ways to improve it that made it less threatening to the company. Asked whether he would be working with Tesla to make those changes, Hancock described communication from the company over the weekend as an attack on his office. Well, uh, I'm not one for pointing fingers, personal attacks. Uh, I know how I personally feel about this story. It is, uh, it's not, I mean, you know, Hey, I am a Tesla fanboy. I am pro Tesla. So that, that certainly weighs my, my thoughts on this. This certainly does not seem to be a good look for the, uh, good state Senator, Mr. Hancock. Uh, I, this is, it's not good at all. The bottom line is that Tesla owners, are uh, put in a really difficult position here, seemingly on the whim of a single state senator who has taken it upon himself to wage this little crusade of his. Now, regardless of how far down the rabbit hole you want to go on this in terms of who's responsible and why, (laughs) I don't know if there's anybody... I don't want... You know, I don't like to get into this stuff on the show. Like, is is there anybody backing uh, Mr. Hancock, Senator Hancock, you know, I I don't know about any of that, but it is clear what this bill would do if it were passed. It would be a massive problem for every current and every future Tesla owner in one of the largest states in the country. And potentially, uh, if I, if I may here, this could also, if, if it does go into effect, create a very dangerous precedent that other states might be able to follow if they try. So uh, not good for anyone, not good for Tesla, not good for any of you who may happen to live in Tesla or (laughs) to live in Texas or may one day with your Tesla uh, either choose to or maybe you're not even thinking about it right now, but maybe life will take you there uh, as, as far as your place of residence at some point. So if you are in Texas... And this bothers you, regardless of whether or not you're currently a Tesla owner, a website has been set up at the following page, texasfortesla.com. That's the word for, not the number. So Texas, T-E-X-A-S-F-O-R-T-E-S-L-A, texasfortesla.com. That's got more information as well as a contact form that will help you very easily generate an email to your elected representatives. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not sure if that website is affiliated with Tesla or not. I don't believe so, just in the interests of full transparency. But uh, it seems like a great organizing tool regardless. You know, I always talk about, anytime something like this comes up in a specific state, I always talk about the state-by-state battle in the overall war that Tesla has been fighting for years now to be able to sell its cars directly to its consumers legally in all 50 United States. 
And this particular battle is a big one. And it's a battle whose loss here, if Tesla were to, were to take the L on this, could have devastating consequences to the entire community. Not the company, not just the company. It would have it would certainly affect the company, but this would directly hit the community in a very, very direct, very unpleasant way. So um, again, I, I urge any listeners of this podcast to take a look at that website and take action and encourage your fellow Texans to do the same if you feel strongly about it. They don't, your, your fellow Texans don't have to be Tesla owners either. It can be your neighbors, the, you know, it can be your friends, your family, uh, anybody. So uh, anybody in that state, best of luck is, is really all I can say at this point, other, other than encouraging you to go uh, try to, to make your voice heard on this. But best of luck to all of the Tesla fans and Tesla owners in Texas on this one. Sadly, that is not the only regional issue that Tesla faces this week. This uh, next story comes by way of uh, listener Andrew, who gave me the heads up on this. Canada is back in the news with regard to Tesla and EV incentives, but it's not just Ontario this time around. It is all of Canada. So this story comes from Global News Canada. The government in Canada proposes spending $130 million over five years, starting this year, to install new recharging and refueling stations for electric and hydrogen fuel cell vehicles in remote locations, in workplaces, public parking spots, and commercial and residential buildings. Now comes the part that really uh, comes right into Tesla's backyard. It also proposes offering $300 million over three years, starting this year, to create an incentive of up to $5,000. This is Canadian, but nevertheless, it's a good chunk of change. $5,000 for people buying an electric or hydrogen fuel cell vehicle with a retail price of less than $45,000 Canadian dollars. So again, that's the key term here. We're talking about Canadian pricing. That means that this unfortunately excludes not just every single Tesla, but as the... Uh, user on the Tesla Motors Reddit, who goes by the username Leaf EV Driver, points out, this affects every single electric vehicle with a battery of 60 kilowatt hours or higher. In other words, it affects every long-range vehicle. It excludes every long-range vehicle. And you know, that's, that's just a real shame because the thing is, the long-range cars are exactly the kind of electric cars that it would be great to see both provincial and the Canadian federal governments be promoting. I mean, hey, sure, I, I don't want to turn my nose at, at short-range EVs. They have a purpose. They're great for urban residents. Uh, they're, they're made in smaller form factors like the Fiat 500e. Like my, my wife, uh, even if she, we were set up financially to get a Model 3, another one, she doesn't want it. It's too big for her. So there are definitely plenty of uses for the short-range electric cars. But the the whole idea of, of electric cars in general and why governments uh, theoretically would be incentivized to help promote them is you want people to get rid of their internal combustion engine vehicles entirely and switch to EVs. And the only way people are ever going to have the confidence to do that is with enough range in the car. I mean, and hey, remember, that's been Tesla's entire philosophy this entire time. 
going all the way back to the original Roadster, you know, 200 plus mile range electric vehicle, long range. So, uh, and I, and by the way, I think it's safe to say at this point that Tesla's strategy, Tesla's philosophy on that matter is working. It is a working strategy. So, uh, as always, including about five minutes ago, I encourage you, if you're a Canadian citizen who feels strongly about this, contact your elected officials at the national level to politely and respectfully but firmly make your voice heard on this. Tell them that you, well, tell, be on, tell them whatever you do think, but again, do so in a professional, uh, respectful, courteous manner. But, you know, if you think the proposal is flawed, tell them you think so and tell them why. Tell them uh, if you, you know, agree with what I'm saying or, or disagree with what they're saying, make your voice heard. That's the only way that, that stuff like this can change and can, uh, you know, we can avoid heading into a, you know, an unfortunate situation for would-be Tesla customers on this. Again, not to mention e-tron and Taycan and, and uh, you know, all kinds of other long-range electric vehicles that, that are on the way. Well, let's move on to, to a happier note, shall we? Following up on my note last week about Model Y's potential tow hitch, the Norwegian news site El Bailen, I think I'm mispronouncing that horrifically, so I apologize. They apparently had more success getting Ch- Tesla chief designer Franz von Holzhausen to answer a couple of questions at the Y event than I did when I approached him. And uh, that's good for all of us because uh, El Bailen approached Franz and asked him specifically about the tow hitch on the Model Y. This comes via Tesla Rati, who says, A recent report from Norwegian from the Norwegian media outlet has noted that Tesla will be releasing towing equipment not only for the Model Y, but also for the Model 3. The information was reportedly related by von Holzhausen himself, who confirmed that such equipment was indeed coming for the electric vehicles. Uh, they talked to Franz after he stepped off the stage at the Y event last week, and uh, asked, asking if the Y will have a tow bar after the Tesla chief designer said yes. The publication followed up with a question about the Model 3's towing equipment. Franz's response was brief, only stating, quote, soon, before smiling and disappearing into the crowd. Hat tip to Tesla Roddy on that one. So yes, we'll have to wait for official confirmation on this, but that is really, really good to hear. You know, hey, because if you think about it this way too, If the Y can tow, and I talked last week about how there appeared to be a square panel behind which likely uh, hid a a tow hitch, if the Y can do it, there is really absolutely no reason for the Model 3 not to be able to tow as well, given the fact that they are basically, they're so close to the same car, particularly on just sort of the core, when you're, if you think about it just from towing, the, the Y and the 3 share the same platform, same motors, same drivetrains, same batteries, same wheels, same tires. Pretty, pretty much everything that relates to towing is fundamentally identical in the Model Y as it, as it is in the Model 3. So uh, good news here. We'll, we'll, again, we'll wait for that official announcement, but that is looking better and better all the time. Next up this week... Well, I tell you, it seems like we can't go a week now without 
options on one or more of the Tesla vehicles changing somehow. And this week the change was, drum roll please, the mid-range Model 3. It has been retired. It's discontinued. No more mid-range Model 3. And not just that, the standard range Model S, the artist formerly known as the 75D Model S, is also out after it had it had just come back. Remember after they made the switch and and dropped the you know the kilowatt hour naming conventions on the Model S and the Model X and just called it standard and extended range and long range and performance. Uh, it was gone. 75D was gone originally. Then it came back for what really feels like a week, maybe two tops. And now it is absent from the design studio once again. Well, as it pertains to the mid-range Model 3, I will say that this is not unexpected because Tesla even said at the time uh, that they started offering the mid-range Model 3 last fall that they basically hacked the pack together to be able to offer a similar value when you, when you factored in the the what was at the time the full federal tax credit that the mid-range would offer a very similar value financially to the standard range Model 3 that, that of course, Tesla couldn't build yet. To, you know, the customers that were waiting for that standard range, they'd, they kind of hacked together that mid-range uh, that, that came to a fairly similar price when you, when you factored in the full tax credit versus the half. So uh, the mid-range is gone. Now, we all know by now the Tesla always, they're always looking to streamline, they're always looking to simplify the manufacturing processes whenever possible so that they can keep those costs down and keep the efficiencies high. But still, even with the mid-range going away, Model 3 has still got quite a few choices going for it for people right now. You've got a standard, you've got a standard plus, a long-range, a long-range dual motor, and a performance long-range dual motor. Now, speaking of this, I've seen reports on Reddit of a few customers who got caught in the cracks on this. People that ordered the mid-range recently, but Tesla isn't going to be able to get them one because they have gotten rid of it. So, per the fine print terms of their vehicle purchase agreement, uh, Tesla doesn't have to sell them that car if they decide not to make it anymore. So what Tesla is doing is offering people that are affected by this either a refund or you can choose, you know, you, you go to the standard plus or the long range with the consolation prize of either a free paint color, which if you want to look at maximum value on that would be uh, going from, let's say you'd ordered a black car uh, which costs nothing extra, and you could choose multi-coat red, which is a $2,500 paint job. Uh, or your other consolation prize choice there is choosing the 19-inch wheels, the 19-inch sport wheels, which are a $1,500 upgrade over the standard 18-inch aero wheels. I mean, it's disappointing for people that aren't going to be able to get exactly what they'd wanted, you know, I'm not going to pretend that this is all good. I mean, I, I think Tesla's olive branch offer on this is a, is a reasonably fair one, but still, if people had the the mid-range in mind, and maybe they're not quite going to be able to stretch to get the long range, that means they have to take a car that does have 
a bit less range to it in the form of the standard plus. So, you know, it's not ideal, but at the very least, I do give Tesla credit here for proactively trying to compensate people in, in a what I feel is a, is a fairly reasonable way. By the way, on a semi-related note, just while we're talking about options and things on, on the cars, the in-car web browser is getting upgraded to Chromium soon. So that'll be a, a nice fast forward into the future that, that comes by way of an Elon Musk tweet. So yes, look for some much, much needed improvement on that browser fairly soonish. You know, the S and of course the X have had a web browser in them since the beginning, and uh, it's never been great. At one point, gosh, uh, I guess it would have been, might have even been last year. It wasn't that long ago. One, maybe two years ago tops. Tesla rewrote the the software, you know, rewrote it, and it was based off the uh, Linux kernel, I guess, because the whole OS is Linux. But, you know, there was an improvement to the web browser, and then that was when they introduced it into the Model 3. But in my experience of, of using it from time to time in Model 3, it just, sometimes I'll just type in a website and hit go, and it just, nothing happens. It just doesn't work very well. So it doesn't seem to be that super reliable. So this is good to see that uh, it should get a nice upgrade, which will hopefully finally make it actually reliably useful. Next this week, and again, busy week, here we go. The referral program has returned, but it's been totally revamped. The, the rules, the prizes, everything's changed. The Tesla blog on this says, quote, while our previous referral program was very successful, it came with significant costs, and ending the program last year allowed us to pass those savings along to customers. We've since restructured the program to save the company money while also, <clears throat> pardon me, also offering rewards that are super exclusive. Now, each time a friend purchases a new Tesla using your referral code, you'll both get 1,000 miles of free supercharging. Each referral also gives you a chance to win a Founders Series Model Y on a monthly basis and a Founders Series Roadster Supercar quarterly both signed by Elon Musk and Franz von Holzhausen. Tesla owners who already have unlimited supercharging get two chances to win with each referral. So first things first there, there's going to be a Founders Series Model Y, which I found uh, rather interesting because there were no Founders Series Model 3s. The 3 is, in fact, the only Tesla vehicle so far to have not gotten a Founders Series. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And I wonder, you know, I don't want to say this, I don't want this to have uh, quite a, as detrimental of a, of a connotation as, I, as it might sound, but the, you know, the early Model 3s were given to employees. They were, they were sold to employees. And, uh, you know, those employees, to some extent or another, effectively became beta testers for a lot of the stuff, particularly on the software side. The, the software, the UI and, and the, <laughs> the software was just nowhere near done uh, on those early build Model 3s. You know, the car worked and everything, but, you know, back then you couldn't even, uh, well, actually the original Model 3s, when they f the first ones that rolled out, didn't have FM radio added yet. They added that over the air. And they also, uh, you couldn't adjust the autopilot speed and did follow distance with that right scroll wheel. That that didn't come till later. So even core stuff like that. 
But yeah, here you go, a Founder Series Model Y. So my point with that is to suggest that I wonder if the, the Founder Series Model Ys will go to some employees, some you know insiders, similar to the you know investors, those kind of people, the, the Jason Calacanises of the world, you know that are that are uh, very much deeply connected to Tesla, either on an, an investor level or or some other kind of level. <clears throat> but yeah, I wonder. Uh, how many of those founder series model wise they'll be and but I, I suspect that they will fulfill a lot of the same purpose that those initial employee sold model threes will uh, they'll just get the founder's designation and the founder's badging on them as well to uh, to signify like yeah this is you know an exclusive car but you know they'll they'll be the first ones off the line for sure so that's pretty cool and you now have a chance to win one by way, and, and it's autographed by Franz and Elon, no less. I wonder where they're going to autograph it, and if you have any say in that, if you win one. You know, is it, would it be up on the dashboard? Because then, like, you know, over time, the heat of the sun, I wonder if could 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 warp that, could get rid of it. Do they sign your, your center console? I'm not quite sure, like, where's a good place on a Model Y presumably, you know, on the inside, you don't want it signed on the outside. So where on the interior would they, would they sign it? I mean, the dashboard's the best place I can think of, but I would think over time that would, that would seemingly be a dangerous, you know, that it would fade. It would be, uh, it would not age well over the years in the sun. But anyway, uh, so yes, a monthly drawing for a, uh, uh, Founders Series Model Y, which, by the way, Elon confirmed is a performance model. Uh, you know that was a reasonable assumption based on previous Founders Series Teslas. But in a follow-up tweet, Elon mentioned uh, winning the performance Model Y. So the Founders Series Y will just presumably just have everything, every single option from you know performance and the 20-inch wheels and. Uh, probably autopilot and full self-driving and presumably the white interior if you want it. All that stuff will be will be included with it. But uh, yeah, it'll be a, so a monthly draw for the Model Y and then it will reset. So let's say you get five referrals in April. There's a drawing for Model Y um, and I think then it just it just resets for everybody for May so that everybody has sort of a fresh chance uh, to go at it again. They're trying to make it more fair. To that note, um, yeah, the people that have won Roadsters can't win a Roadster, which is 100% fair. That's absolutely how it should be. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, will, I, I will tell you the exact same thing that I said after I got my 105th referral with the Roadsters is please use other people's codes and you know your your friends your uh, Siri I somehow activated Siri that was weird uh, anyway use other people's codes where you can other people in the in your life in the community uh, just you know your friends your family what have you but if I happen to be the only sort of Tesla owner in your life and you just need to get the uh, thousand miles of free supercharging my code is there you are welcome to use it so that you can at least take advantage of the benefits. So mine, again, is Ryan73014. So to order your car with it, it's ts.la slash 
Ryan73014, and that will take you into the design studio where you can choose SX or 3 and then pick your car. But um, yeah, the, I, I, the referral program has been very, very good to me thanks to you guys. So would, uh, would love to see all of you get, get some tickets into that referral, get some referrals, and, and get a shot at the Y every month, and then the Roadster, the Founder Series Roadster every quarter. Uh, so we'll see. Good luck to everybody on that. But yeah, my code's there if you need it, but uh, do with it what you will. Anyway, let's move on. Tesla is eliminating regularly scheduled service. You might think, wait a second, that doesn't sound good. No, it turns out Tesla's uh, reams of data, you just don't need it. Via Teslarati, once again, another tip of the hat to them. Quote, Tesla will no longer be offering an extended maintenance plan in favor of specific service recommendations on an as-needed basis. Having analyzed billions of miles of real-world driving data from its worldwide fleet of vehicles, combined with internal engineering studies on vehicle reliability, durability, and safety, the electric car maker found that there was less need less of a need for customers to bring their vehicles in for annual service when in many cases the vehicle did not require maintenance like a traditional gasoline car would. In place of an annual maintenance checklist, Tesla owners will only need to bring their cars in for service when there's a service need on a specific component at a specific interval. This will enable cars to stay on roads for longer periods of time. Well, that's good. Uh, and by the way, th- this I think explains why we never got an extended warranty option for the Model 3. It was just never, never something that Tesla ever communicated. And, you know, it should prove to be good news for all of us in the long run because it should. And this is, by the way, applies not just to the three, everybody, three S and X. Uh, this should mean that we spend even less money. I mean, there, Tesla talks about spending less time in service. Hopefully, it also means we spend less money on service if rather than paying something every year to do an annualized thing, you are servicing at less frequent intervals on an as-needed basis. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll save some money in the pocketbook there as well. Now, in the early days, the early Tesla days, talking uh, S and X specifically here, the S and X owners were recommended to bring their cars in for a battery check every single year. Just come in, check the battery, and I believe, if memory serves correctly, it was something like 600 bucks. I mean, I think they would do an alignment. They'd do a whole thing for you. It wasn't just checking the battery, uh, but it was some. It was a decent chunk of change. I'd have to ask my cousin, Pat. He's had uh, Pat's had his, his Model S since early 2013. He would remember exactly what that number was, but anyway, you know, Tesla can now do a lot of diagnostic remotely. And a lot of stuff remotely, actually. So that combined with the fact that, you know, they're trying to do as much service as possible uh, in, in a mobile capacity, you know, where they just come to you, that, you know, should hopefully make the service experience as painless and as customer friendly as it can possibly be. This is super good news. This is, uh, you know, this can only make people happier by not having to bring their cars in as much and particularly when Tesla will just come to you a lot of times to take care of things. All right, we, we seesaw back from, from good stories, from fun stories, to uh, another bit of drama here, from the Texas drama and the, the you know, mild Canadian drama. Now to this one, Tesla is suing 
a former engineer for allegedly taking proprietary information before leaving the company to join a Chinese EV startup, and separately, a few other ex-employees are getting sued as well. This story comes via Reuters, tip of the hat there. Uh, the engineer, whose name is Guanji Chao, uh, Cao, I believe, C-A-O, pardon me if I'm mispronouncing that, copied more than 300,000 files related to the autopilot source code as he prepared to join China's Xiaopeng Motors technology company, according to Tesla uh, in the lawsuit filed in a California court. Separately, Tesla lawyers filed a lawsuit against four former employees and U.S. self-driving car startup Zoox Inc., alleging the employees stole proprietary information and trade secrets for developing warehousing logistics and inventory control operations. In a statement, Xiaopeng spokeswoman Marie Chung said the company was not aware of Cao's alleged misconduct and that the company has started an internal investigation on the matter. The company, quote, fully respects any third party's intellectual property rights and confidential information. The company has been complying and will comply with all applicable laws and regulations, she said in a statement. Well, these are most certainly very serious allegations. And I have to say, it's really nice to see Xiaoping responding with a lot of respect, a lot of deference here, and a lot of just, you know, n nothing inflammatory, just, just a, hey, <laughs> we, we respect this, we're going to look into it ourselves. Uh, I think that's, you know, that is the proper, that's the high road to take, that is the good way to go. Hopefully, I mean, I, I hope that it all proves to not be true. You know, that would just be, that would not be great if Tesla employees actually stole proprietary information of any kind, whether it's related to autopilot or, or other things. But if it does turn out to be true, meaning if Tesla wins the case, uh, the one thing I would suspect, not being a lawyer at all, uh, but I would suspect that the damages will probably... Uh, end up deterring any other employees from ever contemplating the same thing. So um, that may, <laughs> that may, one way or the other, hopefully, hopefully this, um, you know, won't end too painfully for anyone, honestly. Finally this week, I know it's been, gosh, I've been talking for 33 minutes straight already. Model 3 owners everywhere are going to be eagerly anticipating your next software update. So 2019.8.2 or later, because I've seen there's a, there's a, I guess a dot, there's a 2019.9 floating around too. But anything, if tw the 8.2 or later, 2019.8.2, anything there or later has, uh, that's got the peak power boost in it. So it's begun rolling out. I have not yet received it. By, by way of the community, it doesn't look like most people have received it quite yet. However, among those that have, uh, dual-motor Model 3 owners are reporting not seeing it in their release notes, whereas owners of every other Model 3 variant do apparently see it. So someone took to Twitter to ask Elon about it, and Elon did reply saying that the power boost is, quote, coming soon for the 3D owners. So everybody will get it. It's coming if you remember, this was the 5% average, on average, peak power boost for all Model 3s. And I, <laughs> I haven't gotten it yet. I'm probably going to have, I'm sure I'll have something to say after I actually get it and test it out. I've got um, 
don't know if you remember, I had bought, when I got my car, I bought the Draggy, D-R-A-G-Y, uh, the, the, little, the little dongle thing that works via Bluetooth with your phone, and there's an app, and it uses GPS, uh, and it, it, it pretty accurately measures performance on the, you know, whether you're doing a zero to 60 run or whether you're at the track, you know, the drag strip, uh, it works pretty well and it's really easy to set up. I've used it a few times, but I do admit it's been tucked away for a while. I am absolutely going to be pulling that thing back out when I get my, uh, my next software update with that peak power boost. I'm going to test it for sure. I'm, I'm sure plenty of other people will beat me to it, but I'm very eager to see exactly what effect uh, it has. It's supposed to drop my zero to 60 time by at least one-tenth of a second. You know, I know the they're measuring with the rollout now, whereas the, when the Model 3 performance originally was coming out, it was uh, measured without. It was 3.5 seconds to 60 from a standstill. Then they, of course, tweaked it to 3.3 seconds with a rollout, and now they're saying it's you know it'll be 3.2 seconds with the rollout. But I can't wait to get it, and again... I say this from time to time. Let's pull back for a second. Let's let's take a step back. Let's let's zoom out to the 10,000 foot view to appreciate these cars that we're so lucky to have. Think about what has happened. The, our cars, the Model 3s uh, and this the S and X have both gotten power boosts in the past too. So we'll just we'll, we'll apply this to all Teslas. But these our cars uh, once again now have more features, like tangibly cool, awesome features than they delivered to us with. We're talking more horsepower, which is like, oh yeah, uh, when I when I bought my P3D, it had like 450 horsepower. Oh yeah, now it's going to have, I don't know what, it's going to have like f f whatever, 470 peak, something like that, whatever 5% more is. <laughs> more horsepower. Sentry mode, so a, a decent security, you know, hopefully a good security system slash deterrent. Dog mode, navigate on autopilot. At least that wasn't there when I bought my car. I know it's it's always different for whenever you take delivery as far as the what new features you've gotten. But and soon, navigate on autopilot will uh, have the need to confirm the lane changes manually removed if you want. So it'll be the actual auto automatic lane changes. We've got the advanced summon imminent and now more power. All of that. And by the way, a lot more. If I, I could I could go on, this list could, could get a lot longer. So all that stuff and more, all for free, all since we took delivery. It's just amazing. Like it really is like just stop and think. I know I'm a Tesla fanboy. I'm I'm an enthusiast, but just think about how cool that is. No car, no cars ever done that before. You know, you'd, you'd have to, you maybe get to go to the dealer and get some, I don't know, little update to. I'm sure there have been a few examples here and there of of internal combustion engine cars that can get some little upgrade later from the dealer. But it's just incredible what Tesla has done. It's it's amazing. I love it. And if I'm, I'd rather be guilty of being overly enthusiastic than overly cynical. This is just cool. And the peak power thing is, I mean, it goes back to the Tesla, you know, the, the Elon clip that I play at the very, very, very end of every episode now that when, from when he was on Joe Rogan 
and he said that a Tesla is the most fun thing you can possibly buy. This power boost is in the spirit of that. Did they have to do that? No. But they ran Tesla ran their tests, they got their data, and they figured out, hey, we can do this. We can get a little more oomph out of our motor output without damaging the motors, without affecting negatively affecting the car or its reliability in any way. So let's do it. And that just that's so cool. I love it. All right. Uh, you know what? Actually, there was one more thing. One more thing. Just a reminder, next weekend is the end of the quarter. Another the big EOQ for Tesla. So, uh, and they are once again readying a just huge delivery push. But it's a little bit different this time around. Here is a, an excerpt from a company-wide email sent from Elon, tip of the hat to Business Insider for getting a hold of this and putting it up. Elon saying to employees, quote, for the last 10 days of the quarter, please consider your primary priority to be helping with vehicle deliveries. This applies to everyone. As challenges go, this is a good one to have as we've built the cars and people have bought the cars, so we just need to get the cars to their new owners. What has made this particularly difficult is that Europe and China are simultaneously experiencing the same massive increase in delivery volume that North America experienced last year. In some locations, the delivery rate is over 600% higher than its previous peak. This was further exacerbated by supplier shortages of EU spec components and a sticker printing error on our, on our part in China that were only resolved in the past few weeks. North America is also stressed as the final month of this quarter is almost all North America builds. Moreover, the, for the first two weeks of March, most cars were sent from our factory in California to the East Coast to ins uh, ensure arrival before the end of the quarter. The net result is a massive wave of deliveries needed throughout Europe, China, and North America. This is the biggest wave in Tesla's history, but it is primarily a function of our first delivery of mass-manufactured cars on two continents simultaneously and will not be repeated in subsequent quarters. End quote. So as Elon says, this is definitely a good problem. It's a good problem. Unfortunately, it seems like uh, we can't volunteer to help out anymore now that uh, you know Tesla's 100% direct to consumer. I, I, that was confirmed that the, the uh, Silicon Valley Tesla Owners Club reached out to Fremont as they had last quarter and were told, yeah, we're sorry, we, we, you can't help us. We're, you know, we've just, we're doing everything direct. So, um, I mean, I, I hope they'll be okay. I hope they've, they've got the bandwidth for it, but it, I have to be honest, it bummed me out. I, I really genuinely enjoyed the few times that I went down there over the last couple quarters and just volunteered my time to... Just speak to new owners taking delivery. You know, they're, they're just so happy. They're all so happy. And I, and I just got to help them out a little bit and maybe help free up a Tesla employee's time for the next person. And yeah, I, I got a lot out of it. So I'm, I'm grateful for that time that I did get. So uh, best of luck to Tesla. I know a lot of Tesla employees listen to this podcast. So I wish you guys the best here in this final push as you all uh, hopefully make as many deliveries as humanly possible here at the end of Q1. All right, hang tight. I'll be right back with the aforementioned super-packed Ride the Lightning Hotline, all kinds of excellent Model Y 
reactions, some questions about it from you guys that hopefully I can help out with. So stay tuned right after this. This week, Ride the Lightning is brought to you by Amp Up. Amp Up seeks to build the world's largest reservable EV charging network out of shared private and home chargers, while it also aggregates nine public charging networks, including ChargePoint, Tesla, EVgo, and Blink, for maximum convenience. Yes, that means if you're an apartment-dwelling EV owner or otherwise don't have home charging, this app is for you. Hosts set hours for sharing on the charger, allowing different schedules every day of the week and weekends. Hosts also set the price per hour for using the charger. Drivers pay via credit card and reservations are instantly confirmed for drivers since hosts set up the schedule beforehand. Amp Up is incubated by the world-famous Y Combinator. Its creator, Tom, is not only the president, he's also a client. Tom hopes Amp Up can help get more people over the range anxiety hump and boost EV growth. So check out Amp Up today on the App Store and Google Play. All right, thank you to Amp Up. Now, Ride the Lightning Hotline, so much to get to, so let's get right into it. But first, the quick reminder of how you can participate because I welcome it, I love it, I appreciate it. If you wanna call in with a Tesla-related comment, question, or discussion topic, you can do so in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and record a one to one and a half minute, 60 to 90 second question, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can send, uh, send that same 60 to 90 second question to the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a, you basically just call in and leave a message. It's a toll-free number, and the number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Elliot in New York City, who thinks the Model Y presentation uh, lacked a bit of pizzazz, but he's got some some uh, constructive feedback for the Y event. Elliot, take it away. Hey, Ryan. This is Elliot again from uh, New York City. I'm still soaking up all the details from last night's presentation. Uh, I know you were there, so you probably had a blast. But I couldn't help but think that they missed out, or Tesla missed out, on a major, major opportunity here. Um, I know the event went fairly well, and everyone seemed to uh, have a good time, and it checked off a lot of the boxes. But I think from the threads and from the YouTube uh, analysis, it seemed to have lacked some sort of pizzazz or, or luster that some of the other previous presentations have had, and maybe it's a fault of uh, over you know over delivering on the previous ones but I couldn't but wonder why they didn't just save the model 3 $35,000 announcement from two weeks ago only as well as the V3 announcement from not too long after that supercharger um, and just have them all on the same night without any details being released prior because I think that's what sort of killed some of the some of the excitement, the fact that we knew mostly everything that was being announced 
last night. Um, especially if they were only going to spend, you know, um, 45 seconds or a minute on the Model Y anyway at the very end. And he still went through the whole mission statement, which I think was a great, great speech. You know, why didn't they just have the Model 3 announcement then? Um, and, and so I'm, I'm asking you in the audience if there's some other reason that we aren't thinking about, because I'm sure I'm not the only one that's asking the question. Um, you know, you have three years of waiting, and you finally have this great announcement, plus the Model Y. It all could have been a really good, you know, Steve Jobsy and one more thing that everyone was expecting anyway. So I, I'll leave you with that, and uh, hopefully we can think of some, some good reasons. Um, if it was to soften the blow of, you know, the sales force or the sales stores closing, that could have been one of the reasons, and then that was reversed anyway. So I know hindsight's 2020, uh, but now that I think about it, they probably want more stores because no one's going to be able to see the Model Y now for a while, and then you'll have the pickup truck later in the year. So I don't know, they're, they're, there's got to be a reason for not doing a really good show versus dripping them out over a course of only two weeks anyway. Thanks again, and uh, uh, great show. Talk to you later. Bye. I think you raise a valid question, Elliot. And in hindsight, as you mentioned, maybe they would have wanted to do it as one one big event. You know, as somebody who deals with PR people and video game publishers who who all very carefully strategize their messaging and their announcements, I think I can try to lend a bit of perspective for how I believe Tesla may have thought about it. First, they may have thought that it would be good momentum for the company to strike with three big announcements in the span of two weeks. Think of it like a boxer landing a flurry of punches, you know? $35,000 car, bam, V3 supercharging, pam, just pow. I tried to say pow and bam at the same time, pam, <laughs> Model Y, uppercut. You know, anyway, uh, they would, you know, they'd stay in the news in a positive way for two straight weeks which could fire up employees, fire up shareholders, fire up fans, and potential customers alike. But the other side of that is what I can liken in the video game world to the E3 press conference approach. E3, if you're not familiar, if you're not tied into the world of video games at all, uh, which is perfectly understandable, E3 stands for the Electronic Entertainment Expo. It's the game industry's annual convention, happens every June in Los Angeles, where the major game companies are expected to make, expected, by the way, expected to make major announcements in a 60 to 90 minute or so press conference, typically. Now, Tesla could have treated this like one of those. And to, I think what you were getting at, Elliot, they could have opened with the $35,000 Model 3 announcement, which, by the way, I think they, they definitely needed to make prior to the Y's unveiling, even if that prior <laughs> timing is only by an hour at the same event. And, and the, the reason I think they needed to do that is to stave off any narrative that, oh, Tesla's got a new car, but, well, they were never able to reach the $35,000 price objective on the last one. So, you know, that, that would have looked bad. But anyway, uh, you know, they could have opened with that and then gone into V3 supercharging and then capped it off with the Model Y. And again, I know I'm talking 2020 hindsight here, right? So it's easy to sit here and, and Monday morning armchair quarterback this thing. 
But then, you know, they could have done the pickup truck teaser, maybe a little less subtle, a little more obvious, as a one more thing uh, after it was all said and done. So uh, I guess all we can really do is see how Tesla decides to structure their next event, which is likely to be the pickup truck unveiling. Elliot, thank you for your call. That was a good one. Steve from Melbourne, Australia, also reacts to the Model Y event. Steve, what did you think? Hi, Ryan. How you doing? It's Steve from Melbourne, Australia. Just on the Model Y event, it was good fun, like all Tesla events. Elon always makes me laugh. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed in the Y just due to the fact that it looks so much like the 3. Now, don't get me wrong, the Model 3 is a beautiful car, and I'm hoping to get a performance one when they finally launch here um but it just needed something to just you know distinguish it looking head on it just looked like a model three and it just i don't know it just gives me a funny feeling anyway um i'm hoping to see the pickup truck later this year hopefully it looks a little bit different um yeah thanks thank you for your call steve two things here and by the way uh, i don't disagree with you so number one i think you can definitely count on the pickup truck looking different. I mean, that that's basically a given at this point, especially after that teaser image. And two, as part of the if it ain't broke, don't fix it theory that I gave last week regarding the Model Y, I wonder if one reason that Tesla clearly felt comfortable moving ahead with such a similar design to the three is because in general, it probably would be fair to say Again, with all due respect, that the average crossover SUV buyers might be a bit less discerning with regard to distinctive styling than, say, a sedan buyer. I mean, heck, you yourself said that you're gunning for a Model 3 performance, as did I. You know, I, again, I don't mean that as a knock against anyone, to be clear, but what I mean is that SUVs in general are typically not purchased for their looks the same way that a sedan or a coupe or a sports car might be. You know, they're bought for their utility and their function. So the why in sticking with a well-liked and familiar design, perhaps, you know, the, Tesla figures the, the odds are it won't irritate most Model Y buyers. And also by uh, as sort of two birds, one stone, they can reuse all the same parts and probably some of the same tooling and what have you. Next up, Najem from Miami has a question about the Model Y. I'll see if I can help him out. Najem, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. Big fan of the podcast. Uh, my name is Najem. I'm from Miami. Uh, quick question regarding the Model Y panoramic roof. It's so cool. It looks absolutely amazing. Uh, if I had a car with that, I would be blown away and extremely appreciative of it. However... Uh, I do want to say that it seems a bit of a novelty and something that I would not want to have all the time uh, with, um, with you know, how dirty the roof of a car can get, you know, looking up and seeing, you know, bird droppings or leaves and all over your roof that wouldn't be very appealing. So um, and then also I, I live in South Florida and it gets very bright here. So having all that sunlight come in, you know, especially during the sunnier months, uh, during the summer. That just doesn't seem very good to me. Do you know or think, being having been in the car, uh, that there would be some kind of like automatic, you know, covering? You push a button and a cover just slides over the top or something like that. I think that would be really good. Other, if it if it didn't have that, I personally probably would not go for that panoramic roof. And secondly, the um, 
the pickup truck and regarding the picture as to whether or not that's the front or the back of the truck i can't see why an electric pickup truck would need such a long and flat front to it you know that's where the engine goes usually in a regular car and uh, this car wouldn't have an engine so i can't imagine it would have such a long and flat front i mean i could be wrong i have no idea but that's just my opinion thanks for everything you do bye Thanks for your call, Najem. The good news is that I can reassure you with years of experience from happy Model S uh, and, hey, Model X customers too, what with its giant front windshield, the heat question comes up a lot. But people in Arizona and Florida uh, are, are happy with their Teslas. The, you know, those states are filled with very happy Tesla customers. The glass roof has a very heavy tint to it that also blocks out, if memory serves, I believe it's 97% of UV rays. Remember too, you know, the th thing to always remember compared to just about any other car out there, you can always use the Tesla app to precondition the car before you get into it as well. You know, you can turn on that, that air conditioning when you're still, you know, in the restaurant or wherever you happen to be before you come out to the car. Get that car nice and cool or hot, you know, or warm it up if it's, if it's the wintertime. Now, as for keeping it clean up top on that glass roof, well, you know, hey, leaves, bird droppings, they're generally only a problem if you're parking under trees. But if that is a problem, the nice part, because it's all glass up there, means you could probably just carry... Uh, a bottle of Windex and a small a roll of paper towels in your trunk down in maybe the, the, the deep well, that sort of extra trunk underneath the trunk uh, in the back there. And you could just wipe that glass clean as needed. So hope that makes you feel a little bit better. Thanks again for calling in. Next up is Keith from Columbia. More, more Model Y talk. It's a common theme, as I warned you. Keith, go ahead. Hello, Ryan. This is Keith, uh, the Tesla Hillbilly from Columbia, Missouri. Hey, another great show uh, on the Model Y. I enjoyed it and a great deal of knowledge as usual. I've uh, got a question for you about the Model Y. I hadn't heard this uh, address there and wondered if you had heard anything. Uh, in regards to the fold-down of the rear seats on the Model Y, do you know, has Tesla addressed the issue with the easy entrance for uh, potential ne'er-do-wells, as you call them, reaching in, breaking the window, and then easily putting down those rear seats there. Uh, anyway, if you had any thoughts on that, I'd appreciate it. And uh, give uh, Daisy a nice uh, rub down for me. And uh, thanks again. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Keith, I would like to congratulate you because I think yours might be the call of the week. This is absolutely something I should have been looking for on the Model Y. But I'll be honest, I didn't even think about it until I heard your call. I went back and looked at the test ride video that I shot, but you can't see it, and it was super dark anyway, so I'm not sure if it's gonna show up on anyone's test ride video. Uh, I will tell you that's definitely something that I'll be on the lookout for the next chance I get, which admittedly might not be for a while. Uh, generally after a, a product unveil, you, you, pr you might not see the car again for quite a while. But for what it's worth, now that Sentry Mode is out, I honestly, for I feel a lot better about the situation. I know Sentry Mode doesn't actually prevent anything, but hopefully by the time the Model Y rolls around, Sentry Mode's reputation will have preceded it, and all the thieves will know to just not even bother with Teslas because they're not worth the hassle. 
We'll see. Next up, Jeff from San Rafael has a Performance Model 3. And uh, thinking about a why? Question about it. Jeff, what do you got? Hi, Ryan. This is Jeff from San Rafael. I love your podcast. Um, I'm also a P3D owner, just like you, and very happy. Um, we're curious about the Model Y. We have a dog, and we're curious about the back. Um, do you feel like the back will be good for a large-sized dog, and can the dog see over the back seats very well? We're just curious. Thanks a lot. Bye. Well, Jeff, with the caveat that I only got a two-minute test ride and it was super dark out, my impression is that, yes, I think the rear area would be a good size for a dog, even a fairly large dog. I think Daisy, for sure, she's 56 pounds, boxer. Uh, I Now, I, I don't necessarily think this will apply if you have the third row of seats and have those seats up, but... It should have, well, I guess it still might, but it should certainly apply if you fold them down or especially if you don't order them at all. Great question, though. Joe from Anchorage, Alaska is up next, has uh, some reactions to what else? The Model Y unveiling. Joe, take it away. Right, Anchorage, Alaska calling to answer your question. I was actually a little bit disappointed on the reveal. I was hoping that the uh, Model Y was going to be just a little bit bigger, but I was still excited enough to order two of them, one for my wife with a third row seat and one without for me. But I'm curious if anybody out there knows if you order the third row seat, does that detract from the leg room on the second row? And is that second row adjustable? If anybody knows, that'd be great to tell the rest of us. Ryan, keep up the great work. Thanks for your call, Joe. I can pretty confidently answer the first question and not as confidently answer the second. So I'm pretty sure the third row will not affect the second row's legroom at all because the third row is just added in back there in a fixed spot. And I don't think the second row is adjustable in its, in its position, just like the second row in a Model 3 isn't, but I'm a little less confident in that. I hope that helps, even if, if to some small degree. Corey from Florida is up next, seeking opinions on what else? <laughs> the Model Y. Let's keep rolling with the Model Y questions. Corey, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. Corey from Florida here. First time call. Love the show. With regard to the Model 3, I'm curious, is it an SUV? Because watching the uh, reveal, it does look so much like a Model 3 that you could forgive it for being a wagon. And in my mind, an SUV should feel like it rides higher, not just have seats up on risers. So I'm curious in your impressions, uh, very hard to tell from the film footage, does it look and feel like an SUV or does it look and feel like sort of a Model 3 wagon? That's it. Thanks a lot. Look, uh, look forward to hearing back. Bye. Corey, I'll be honest. This one's a tough question to answer. I, I would honestly say it's somewhere in between, like truly a crossover. I'm not sure if that helps you or not, but it's what I would say based on my experience being up close and personal with the car and uh, inside it there for a quick ride as well. Matt from Wikiwachi gives his Model Y impressions. He's currently a Model 3 owner. Matt, what do you think? Hey, Ryan, this is Matt from Wikiwachi calling in again. I uh, just wanted to uh, give you my impressions of the Model Y. Um, my wife and I are super excited about it. Uh, we currently have a dual motor Model 3, um, and uh, we were waiting for the Model Y to find out if it had third row seating. 
um, which obviously we all know it does. Um, so we did go ahead and put down an order on it. Um, we do know that the third row is small, but we think it'll be perfect for, you know, our small children um, and that. But, you know, the price of that compared to even a certified pre-owned Model X is quite the difference. Um, and just one thing I wanted to point out was that, you know, the Jaguar I-Pace and the Audi e-tron uh, that are coming out or almost out, um, neither one of those offer a third row seat. And the Model Y um, is cheaper than both of those vehicles. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting. Um, but otherwise, uh, great podcast. Keep up the great work. I uh, love hearing from you. Um, and then one other thing I wanted to mention uh, I found, uh, I heard about a thing on. Um, on another podcast, it's a um, piece for the uh, cell phone dock uh, in the Model 3, and it's made by a company called Skyline. Um, I don't have any endorsement for them or anything like that, but I just thought I would check it out because I do have the Jada Wireless uh, charging mat, the first edition, and my phone frequently falls off of it, uh, so that's kind of frustrating. Um, but the Skyline uh, piece actually replaces the piece at the bottom that slides across and it creates a larger lip to hold your phone. So I just got that in the mail today and put it on and it has a perfect fit and I think it's going to be a great um, uh, medium. Uh, you know, I think it was like, I don't know, 20, 30 bucks, which is better than spending another hundred bucks on, a, um, you know, Jada wireless charging mat uh, version two. But nonetheless, uh, hope to talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Matt. You make good points all around here. And what's interesting is that you were only comparing it to other electric SUVs. If you add in ICE SUVs in the same class, uh, then the Model Y, guess what, looks even better with the fuel cost savings. You know, SUVs aren't exactly known for their good gas mileage to begin with, typically. And the Y is probably going to fall somewhere in the 90s or so on its MPGE rating, miles per gallon equivalent. So couple that with the fact that the gallons, air quotes, are you know cheaper kilowatt hours of electricity than, than gallons of, of fuel, and that's going to add up really quickly for a lot of families. Jonathan from England is up next. He's an ex-owner meaning Model X, not EX, ex-Tesla owner. He is a Model X owner, uh, and he's got an interesting, interesting take, if I can talk tonight, on the Model Y as well. Jonathan, what do you say? Hello, Ryan. This is Jonathan Hodgetts in England. Um, I was very impressed when I saw the presentation of the Model Y. It was more or less exactly what I was expecting, and I placed the reservation straight afterwards. Now, you may well be saying you won't get one in England for a very long time. But the fact is, I've got a business in the USA, and I've got a 2016 Model X over there. And it's that I'm going to replace with the Model Y. The reason is, um, the advancements in autopilot, an AP3, and hopefully by the time the Model Y comes out, full self-driving features. And also the free free supercharging both of which will make my road trips for business around the USA so much better. My 2018 Model X 
in the UK, I've got every intention of keeping. So once once I've got the why, it'll make a very interesting comparison. Anyway, enjoy your shows and um, look forward to um, hearing your next one. Bye for now. Thank you for the call, Jonathan. I think I mentioned this last week, but I think the Y could very well cannibalize a decent bit of Model X sales because the fact that you can get a really well-equipped 300-mile range Model Y for under 60 grand, uh, the U.S., of course, with with, with autopilot and full self-driving, that's going to save you about $30,000 over a Model X, a well-equipped Model X. And hey, don't get me wrong. The Model X is fantastic. The windshield is glorious. I mean, if you've never seen the Model X windshield in person, particularly, I'm not just saying from afar, but from inside the car, it is, it is stunning. It is, uh, it is probably my favorite part of the, the car. And, uh, and I'm a big Gullwing door fan from my DeLorean days, but I think I like the windshield even better than the Falcon wing doors. But, you know, you, you, and you've also got those glorious Falcon wing doors as well, which are extra awesome if you've got kids in car seats, then you can stand up while, while uh, taking them in and out. You don't have to, like, crane your head and neck down. But, you know, it's fair to ask, is the Model X really $30,000 better than the Model Y? Ugh. For some people, the answer to that will be yes. The Model X is $30,000 better than the, than the Y for us, for, you know, for me, for whomever. But I do suspect plenty of other people are going to be, are going to end up answering that with a no. Like, no, it's not thirty grand better. So those people will probably end up choosing the Y. Two more calls this week. Uh, our penultimate caller is Charlie from Cincinnati. We're, we're actually finally, we're done with the Model Y calls for now, for this week. A couple of other really interesting uh, calls that I just wanted to make sure not to leave out here. And this one is about enhanced autopilot and your insurance. So Charlie, take it away. Hey Ryan, this is Charlie from Cincinnati. I got a question about insurance and autopilot enhancements. Um, as it stands right now, my current auto policy uh, has full car replacement coverage. However, it's only the car, not any kind of software enhancements such as um, enhanced autopilot or full self-driving. So I'm wondering um, if any other, any other person out there has ran into this issue where if we were to get into a car accident, and it's a total loss, I would actually have to rebuy or repurchase uh, the enhanced autopilot and full self-driving, which as it stands right now, looks like around $8,000 or, or whatever that is. So, um, and that's a substantial amount, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20% of your total car's value. So um, I did get a premium quote uh, for a custom add-on. However, it also covers um, any kind of uh, theft of the custom add-on, which obviously you cannot steal that, or even if it's damaged, um, that would be a software issue, and Tesla would replace that. So I don't quite, I don't quite um, think that they understand how to ensure this. So wanted to see if anybody out there has um, heard of this, where the insurance company has figured this out, or uh, how people have went about this. So I uh, appreciate your show. Um, look forward to hearing the responses from either you or or your listeners. Thanks a lot. Thank you for the call, Charlie. I don't know the answer. You know, I'm, I'm, I admit, I'm always hesitant to take insurance questions on this podcast, 
not because I don't want to help people. I certainly do. But because everybody's insurance situation is totally different based on your age, your driving history, your location, etc. But in this case, I think it is worth throwing this out to the greater Ride the Lightning audience to see if anybody has specifically had any success with getting their insurance company to recognize, value, and insure the autopilot features of the car. In fact, I, I'll tell you, you, you've made me want to drop my insurance agent a line about this in, over, in uh, next week when, I, when, when they're back in the office, especially since I just added full self-driving to my car a couple weeks ago, obviously well after purchase. So let's see who calls or writes in, and if I'm able to get a, a hold of my insurance folks, I'll let you know how I made out with that as well. Thank you, Charlie. Final call this week, James from New Jersey has an autopilot question. James, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is James calling from New Jersey. I've got a Model 3 long-range rear-wheel drive that I took delivery of uh, back in December 2018, and I had a question about autopilot. Um, so I don't have autopilot. I didn't buy it at the time of my car purchase, but now that the price has decreased, I was thinking that that would make sense um, given that it's $2,000. However, I've been having trouble finding out whether or not the lane changes that used to be in the EAP um, autopilot tri the trial um, would also be available in autopilot um, as it exists currently for $2,000. It seems like it's not in that it's only going to be a feature of full self-driving, but I wanted to see if you had a definitive answer or if any of the listeners here have bought the $2,000 add-on and could shed some light on it. All right, thanks. Excellent question here, James. Now, to answer this, I'm actually going to go to the audience because Logan in Jacksonville just took delivery, and he can definitively answer this for both of us. Logan, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. This is Logan from Jacksonville again, at the Logan Nerd on Twitter. And I am over the moon about getting my new Model 3. I just took it for a drive, and I'm just sitting here smiling this morning with the, uh, with the orange glow on the roof. It's amazing. So anyway, I just wanted to say, um, I am one of the few, probably uh, at least recently, who's purchased that new 3000 tier autopilot. And um, just want to say for any drivers that are maybe also in the same camp as me, this does not include auto lane change. And what this means is when you're in autopilot mode and you turn on your turn signal, unlike in all the test drives that I took before, you will not be able to just have autopilot merge for you. Now, obviously this is something that's kind of been um, sent out, you know, I think that this has been included on official Tesla documentation of all the new features as well, but I must say I did not understand that this was not part of it just because it's always been a part of the experience before. And I thought that I was missing something for about the first day or so until I read into it on Reddit and saw a bunch of other people kind of complaining about the same thing. Unlike the other features, it, it really doesn't feel to me some like something that I'm not paying for so much as something that seems missing. So um, I, I know that you have to draw the line somewhere, and I got a cheaper version. But just to anybody else out there who might be confused about this or might be looking at purchasing uh, autopilot versus the full self-driving option, um, just keep that in mind because it does kind of take you out of the experience, and in my opinion, it, it makes it a whole lot less safe. Um, when you have to go into traffic where our cruise control to, to merge, especially with the blind spots in the Model 3. So anyway, thanks for all you do, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Bye. 
Thank you, Logan, for definitively answering that question for both James and myself. All right, I'll be right back with the pro tip of the week and some final thoughts to wrap this thing up for you right after this. Well, nothing really new or noteworthy with uh, me and the spirit of adventure. I'm just waiting for that peak power software update so I can go take the draggy out of the out of the uh, drawer and and fire it up and see what my zero to sixty time is now. But hopefully by this this time next week we'll have the answer to that. For now though, let's do the pro tip of the week. It's a good one that comes from Gil in San Diego. Gil, go ahead. Hey Ryan, Gil from San Diego. Uh, this is a, a little bit of a pro tip. Um, for those that haven't seen it and haven't had it advertised on their Instagram, there's something called a three tray, which you can get at Amazon. It works really well. It goes in the spot right underneath the uh, area where you put your cell phones. And I actually use it for sunglasses and coins and things like that. And it works a lot better uh, than this. It's easier to get to than the center console thing. And then you still have the storage um, uh, room below. I uh, sent a picture of my car with it in it. I have no relationship to this company other than they advertised to me. <laughs> uh, but it's worked really great, so I just thought it would be a helpful tip for folks. Well, looks like it's $22 on Amazon and has uh, free Prime shipping available on that. Definitely looks useful. Thank you for mentioning that, Gil. Again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something interesting about your car that you think is worth sharing with the rest of the community that might not be super obvious... You can send it in the same way you'd send in any Ride the Lightning phone call. You know, use the hotline number I gave out earlier or record it on your smartphone and email it to me. All right, time to hit the road. It's been another long episode. I want to first mention Immaculate Reflections, taking good care of my car, keeping it detailed and protected, the paint protection film. I'm, I'm very happy to have it because, as I've told you before, it's, it's saved me twice already from paint damage. So if you're in the Bay Area or taking delivery in the Bay Area uh, and you're in the market for some detailing work on your car, be it paint correction and or paint protection film uh, and or ceramic coating, one of them, two of them, all of them, uh, something else, whatever you want to do, Jeff at Immaculate Reflections can work with you to to, uh, fit your budget and your needs and desires on that. Check out his website at irdetailing.com. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com is your awesome source for a ton of Tesla accessories, mostly for the car, but some stuff for you as well. You got those uh, Tesla lanyards. If you're uh, frequently at conferences like I am and you want to Maybe have a little personalized look and rock a Tesla lanyard rather than just the whatever sponsor is at the is at the uh, event you're at. You can find all that stuff at, at uh, abstractocean.com, center console wraps, tempered glass screen protectors, etc., etc. Check out abstractocean.com, pile everything you want into your cart, and if you're a first-time customer, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTL podcast at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Patreon, meanwhile, is the primary way with which you can support this podcast if you choose to do so. Uh, you know, I put a lot of time and energy into it. If you see fit to, uh, to throw me some support on a monthly basis, I would 
tip my cap and, and certainly be grateful. You guys know that, but it is all optional. So if you want to find out more, you can visit my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Meanwhile, no discount for you, sadly, on the Jada wireless charging pad. But if you have got a Model 3, or maybe you're about to, you're taking delivery, you've ordered the, the Jada wireless charging pad, they've got the version 2 out now that, again, in my personal experience, definitely a, a huge improvement over the already good first one. But this one is every bit uh, more awesome. They are, I think they're still 100 bucks. So, you know, if, and if you've got a Qi wireless capable, well, wireless charging capable phone, that's what the Jada wireless charging pad is all about. So again, no discount code, but full transparency. They'll throw me a few bucks if you order it via the referral URL that I'm about to give you here. It's getjada.com. That's J-E-D-A. Getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, again, that's a totally free thing. That's just so that uh, subscribing means it will download to you automatically rather than you having to go find a new episode from me each week. So subscribe on your favorite podcast service, whether that's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. I'm on uh, YouTube. You know, just the audio syndicates out to YouTube as well. Or to, um, what's the Stitcher? I think I said TuneIn. TuneIn's the one in the car. So you can find it in your car, in your Tesla as well. So check that out if you are interested in listening in any of those capacities. Meanwhile, we'll close up shop here by, of course, thanking the Patreon producers, the kind folks that are backing me at the producer level. Uh, We've got Austin Allen is our new one, along with Eli Burton from My Tesla Adventure, Rob Brewer, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, a different Jeremy, Josh, Blake Wiley, Daniel Grummer, Michael Waddle, Luxendary.com, Dorian Steve Guberman, Joel Sapp, Lyle Austin, Bill Royko, uh, Brian Hope, Jerry and Mary Smith, Gabriel Salais, David Nondahl, Eric Randolph, Luke A., Ulrich Lassa, David Vakil, Rome Strack, Peter Chalet, Lars Hoffman, Marcus Mayenshine, Tim Hyde, Joe Edgel, Jason Chalukas, Robert Maracle, Michael Lester, Matthew Parra, Logan Willis, Alexi Heft, Jonathan Wales, David Brander, George Cassiopo, Wolfgang Obergen, Pete White, DJ Harbaugh, and Paul Hussey. Thanks to all of you so, so much for your ongoing support of the podcast on Patreon. It's been a long episode, so I will sign off. Hope you found this one useful. Uh, We've got, no doubt, another, probably another big week of Tesla news next week. So stay tuned. I'll be here with you each and every week, as always, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time for a... uh, Yeah, she's asleep. She's just stretching out. For Daisy the Boxer Puppy, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. (laughs) That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's.
It's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun. 